I just ran out with that other fella. Baby, I knew about it. I just didn't care. You just don't understand how much I love you, do you? I'm here for you. I'm not out to go out there and cheat all night. Just like you did, baby, but that's alright. <laughs> I love you anyway. And I'm still gonna be here for you to my dying day, baby. Right now, I'm just in so much pain, baby, because you just won't come back to me, will you? Just come back to me. Yes, baby, my heart is lonely. My heart hurts, baby. Yes, I feel pain too. with Andy and Andy, and uh, Welcome. we decided to put aside our creative differences and uh, use the healing power of boys to men um, to help us stay together. So, uh, my name is Andy Brown, and with me as always, Andy Sanford. How's it going, Andy? Hey, by the way, um, KISS have trademarked the phrase, the end of the road. Have they? So, you're going to have to pay oh. Gene Simmons to... Or cut it out. Say that phrase. (laughs) (laughs) No, but yeah, seriously, that's the they've trademarked. I guess that's gonna be the name of their like farewell tour coming up. Oh, gotcha. Whatever. Gotcha. Gotcha. The end of the road. Yeah. Um, And I'm sure you'll uh, be there for that. Yeah, I mean, you know, I was at the last show that the original band ever played together in um, 2000, so I'm not too worried about it. Right on. Uh, so you did go to uh, a pretty good show this week, though, correct? Oh, yeah. Yep. I went and saw uh, No Gallagher's High-Flying Birds and, uh, featuring the scissor player. And you told me that it was one of the best shows you've ever seen, which I think yeah. that might be Period. hyperbole based on recency bias, but go ahead and tell us about it anyway. <clears throat> well, um the things that equal a great show for me is is great sound, great band, great performance. Now, like any one of these things, like uh, like a Kiss show, is an amazing performance by an you know an average band, and the sound is going to be average because it's usually in a big place. It's not really built for sound. So, because the performance is so amazing, that makes it a great show. But take something like King Crimson last October. Band is amazing. Sound is amazing. Performance is amazing. That that's was one of the best shows I've been to. Right. It was better than when I saw him in 95, which in my mind, 95 King Crimson was probably the best musical performance I'd ever seen. So 
you know, this past October, I felt that King Crimson show exceeded the one from 95. So that kind of replaced itself in my mind as probably the best musical performance I'd ever seen. And that was also the last show I had been to up until last week for Noel Gallagher. So I have a, a really amazing show fresh in mind going into the show. And yeah, I got there early, so I got optimum optimum place in the room, direct center of the room, halfway between the stage and the soundboard, in a in a really nice room for sound. The Tabernacles always, if you're in the right spot, it always sounds great. And uh, the band he's got put together is really awesome. It's a it's a big band, so they make a big sound. You know, there's eleven people on stage. Damn. Um, t- two keyboards, two guitars. Three horns, um, lot, uh, an amazing bass player. One of the best bass players I've ever watched play. It was like, you know, just like nailing that whole McCartney. Um, oh, what, was the, what was the lady's name that played on all the Beach Boys albums? I can't believe I'm forgetting her name right now. Oh, just that whole, I don't remember either. that vibe. Really musical bass playing, but really solid, you know, locking in with the drummer, but also providing a lot to the melody. And um, they performed flawlessly. They put on very energetic performances of material that I'm a big fan of, and it sounded really good. So you had an amazing band playing really good material, amazing material pretty much, and putting on an amazing performance. So... That for me adds up to one of the best shows I've ever seen, and then, and it's not like like every show I go to is awesome like that, you know. Like, I mean, but <laughs> I've seen a couple of really good ones in a row. Yeah, that's cool. Um, what were the uh, highlights of the Oasis material for me? Um, the importance of being idle. I forgot what how much I love that song. It's on it's on Dig Out Your Soul, so you might not even be recently familiar with it, but. Yeah, I didn't listen that to That was it. the highlight that, so. of, for me, of the Oasis songs he played. Now, of course, Wonderwall and Don't Look Back in Anger were great because the whole place was just flipping out, you of know? Of course, yeah. <laughs> And the other thing was he brought he brought a, a, an arena-level light show into a, a, a building that holds 2,600, you know, a small nice. venue. And, nice. I mean, the, the lighting rig took up the entire ceiling of the place back to the, where the balcony started. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, it was, it was great. It was amazing. You know, he didn't overuse it, you know, but a couple times where you've got colored lights flashing around the room with strobes. Yeah. Um, that was during, uh, um, she taught me how to fly. That was when the lights really took off. <laughs> well, right Appropriately on. enough. Yeah. Sounded like a killer. And show. I, you know, if you haven't listened to that new, I don't know if you've listened to that new Noah Gallery yet, but I've been listening to it on constant repeat since the show, and it is such a good album. I guess I should check it out. Um, I mean, it's the only, it's the only album that cracked into the uh, King Gizzard stronghold on my best of oh, list damn. last year. Wow, that's high praise. <laughs> and now that I've listened to it like twenty times this past week, I might even bump it up a little higher. So, damn. Yeah, well, I, I've only listened album. to uh, the first High Flying Birds, but I really liked it. So, um, yeah, he only played a couple songs off that one. He played three or four off the second High Flying Birds, and he played probably seven or eight off the new one. And I mean, I already even before I like went on crazy repeat this past week, I'd already listened to it probably a dozen times and really, really liked it. So the fact that that was the bulk of the performance, I was very happy about. Right on. And uh, as chance would have it, there were uh, lots of news Gallagher, with, yeah, with no Gallagher stories. <laughs> uh, so why don't you go ahead and tell everybody uh, about the first one? Well, on the on the day of the show, it was like big headlines that Liam's all saying that. Well, the reason Oasis isn't back together is because of Noel's wife. She's a real witch. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, proceeded to tell some stories about how. In his perception, she'd been, you know, fucking with Noel's head and cause, you know, part of the, why the band broke up and why they're not getting back together and blah blah blah. I guess she's Yoko. <laughs> and that that led me that article led me to a recent um, 
Liam interview where the NME had uh, named him like a golden god or whatever, and he yeah, yeah, ate yeah. that shit way up. <laughs> oh, I am a golden god. You guys yeah. got it right. <laughs> I am a genius. I am a genius. <laughs> yeah, you guys, that's, you, that's you can uh, you can check out the interview online, and he does in fact say that. No exaggeration. And I think Liam put put his finger on why I love the new Noel Gallagher album so much. Because in his words, it it sounds like that shit cooler shaker. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> and it it kind of does. <laughs> Probably why I like it so much. And uh, of course, uh, also Spin reported this week. Uh, <laughs> uh, he and Liam uh, early on in their career in Oasis in the late eighties uh, would break into their neighbors' houses. Um, Including, I guess, this guy like Richard Madeley, who I don't know who he is, but I guess he's some uh, some actor or something, right? Yeah, some British actor. Like yeah. Um, and <laughs> so this is from the article. Uh, After hearing about Madeley's experience in 1989, a former neighbor named Gladys uh, Tomlinson claims to be another victim of the Gallagher's mischief. In a new Sunday sport feature, the Manchester resident says that one day in 1989, she came home to find her knickknacks and videos stolen, with the burglars allegedly leaving a shit in her bathtub. They was beyond the pale, she told the paper. Pound to a penny, that was one of them then shat in the old bath. <laughs> so, uh, then Noel, uh, uh, put a picture of it, of the, uh, newspaper, up on Instagram, uh, and wrote, It's a fair cop, Gov. We thought it was Richard Madley's guff. Souls, Gladys. No offense. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, well, we did it. <laughs> uh, well, we thought it was someone else. That's why we shit in the tub. Sorry yeah, about that. Sorry. Sorry. We did break into your house and shit in your tub, but, I mean, yeah. I love the But you know what? That didn't really surprise me. No, not at all. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, not in any way surprising. That's the great actually. thing about the Gallagher brothers. <laughs> yeah, every story about them is probably likely to be true. Um, yeah, I don't think you can... and not surprising. Yeah, yeah, you would not be surprised at all. They're in uh, <laughs> they're in the Tyson zone, uh, I guess, which <laughs> Donald Trump is definitely in uh, at this point. Um, in fact. Uh, He's in his own zone. I know you don't uh, pay too much attention to uh, politics, Andy. Um, and I read Dan Rather's Facebook page every day. All right. Damn it. Um, so there there was quite the spectacle uh, today. I don't know if you saw any of it. Uh, I'm not sure if I have seen anything today, though. So it was this dude named uh, Sam Nunberg. He worked uh, for the Trump campaign in, like, 2015 and then... Um, Trump fired him. Was oh, this dude he's going to refuse to testify, even though he's subpoenaed? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Trump fired him, uh, but he's still, like, one of the people that, like, Trump would call all the time for advice and stuff. Yeah, so he got yeah. a, a subpoena um, from Robert Mueller to go speak to the grand jury on Friday and to turn over, like, any emails he has related to, like, this list of people. And so the day started with him... Uh, um, telling the Washington Post that he was not going to uh, testify in front of the grand jury and he was not going to hand over his emails uh, either. In fact, he said that he was going to go on to uh, Bloomberg News and tear up the subpoena. So that was the first news uh, from this guy early in the afternoon. And then he proceeded to call into MSNBC, CNN, and New York One, and then did live hits uh, on both CNN and MSNBC. And uh, during these uh, interviews, he called Donald Trump an idiot. Um, he said that he and Steve Bannon both thought that Trump did something illegal during the campaign. Um, he said that Donald Trump knew about the meeting in Trump Tower with the Russians a week before it happened, and he, in fact, he wouldn't shut up about it. Uh, he called uh, the White House press secretary, uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, a fat slob who should shut up. Um, he said that Carter Page colluded with the Russians. And 
than uh, in regards to not appearing before the committee. He said, uh, go ahead and send me to jail for it. Uh, I'll laugh about it. And then at the end of the day, he had dinner with his parents, uh, and his mother is apparently uh, his lawyer. And so then he told journalists that he would probably cooperate in the end. Um, so that was all, uh, I thought that was all pretty amusing. Um, but during uh, an interview on CNN, uh, he kind of had a, a similar experience um, to me uh, one time when I showed up at a, um, a meeting with my probation officer and I was uh, still drunk from the night before. So I'm going to go ahead and play a clip. Talked earlier about what people in the White House were saying about you. Yeah, talking about whether you you were you were drinking or on drugs or whatever they uh, had happened today. Um, talking to you, yeah. I have smelled alcohol on your breath. Well, I I have not had a drink. You haven't had a drink, so that's no. not. No. So I I just because it is the talk out there. Again, I know it's awkward. Let me just get give you the questions well, you can uh, categorically answer. answer no, nope, you have you had a drink answer, today. My answer is no. I have not. Anything else? No. 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 Besides my meds. <laughs> okay. My meds. Is that okay? No, I, th- I mean, I'm not, I'm just trying is to that understand. Okay? <laughs> well, look, well, look, they what can say, today? they can say whatever they want. I don't really care what, once again. <laughs> His antidepressants are probably weed and cocaine. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was kind of thinking there had to be an upper. I don't know whether it's cocaine <laughs> or Adderall, because I mean. He was on this for like six hours, like going on television nonstop, <laughs> all the while insisting that he didn't have time to uh, um, comply with the subpoena. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I didn't show up for court once, but nothing happened. So it was cool. Yeah. Yeah. My probation yeah, officer some, uh, sent me to jail. Uh, that time. There was some accident in the parking lot at my job and like lawyers on both sides wanted me to come like. They, I guess they both thought I was on each of their sides or something. Mm. And I just didn't go at all. <laughs> <laughs> and they called enough messages on the machine that morning like, hey, you coming? Like both of them. And then I, you know, just didn't answer, didn't call back, didn't show up and Nothing never heard happened. anything else. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then like right after that, that uh, Afro Man song came out, I was like, didn't go to court. I was like, oh shit, man. That happened to me once. <laughs> that happened to me too, man. Uh, so uh, before we get into uh, this week's uh, results of our album recommendations, I did just want to note that on Friday night, I was sitting around. I was just chilling. Uh, it was pretty late. I was a little faded, and I decided that what I really wanted to hear was a uh, sleep dope smoker. So, because uh, that's good shit, <laughs> I have to say, uh, kudos, Andy, uh, on that one. Um, I mean, you know, if you want to like travel in your mind for an hour, it's, that's a great way to do it. Yeah, yeah, you can just kind of turn your uh, conscious brain off, just go with it. It will take you away. Yeah, yeah. It will, even if it has to like bludgeon you over the head with. Riffs, <laughs> and, and we'll uh, do it. It will. And last week, uh, you gave me her song, uh, "Desires Magic Theater." DMT. And, uh, you did mention uh, last week, but just to remind everybody else, um, her song is basically uh, singer, songwriter, guitarist uh, Rosalie Cunningham. Yeah. Um, and basically, like the best musicians she could get to play with her and for the live show yeah um uh, well who the is it on the record her. really the al- uh, i mean That's she's got car. some guests here and there on the album but most of it is just her and i Minus did the drums i did notice i didn't read the click on the article but when i was googling uh i guess she's not even in person anymore well she she just disbanded and the group yeah, he's going to change somewhere. her name to something else, I'm sure. Um, something. So, I didn't like it, actually, uh, the first time I listened to it. Um, didn't really like it at all. It didn't just didn't grab me in any way. Um, then I listened uh, a second time, 
and I enjoyed it the second time. Um, so I gave it a third listen just to make sure. And <laughs> so I really like the opening track. Um, it's a Sergeant Pepper callback and just kind of like a cool bluesy um, hard rock song that then has like a acoustic psychedelic interval. Um, and then there's a flautist in that interval that I thought was cool. And, uh, that comes back on later in the album as well. Um, I thought electric landlady was like a pretty, uh, nice, uh, guitar groove, um, that had some cool, uh, chord progressions. Um, I liked the, uh, sky parade, like, uh, kind of sounded like, uh, like music from like a Western movie sort of. Um, and then the end of that song was, uh, really trippy and yep. window cleaner was cool. That was kind of like a neo sixties, um, pop song, kind of like, uh, apples and stereo, um, or whatever, just with more of like a, um, a hard rock spin. And there's some production on that song. That's really cool. Um, in fact, I'd probably say that, uh, that was my favorite song on the album. Um, Sweet. I also liked, uh, Mr. Howard. Uh, that was a really great, uh, ZZ Top song. Um, <laughs> uh, and really kicks ass. Um, uh, I think it was it She Got Legs, I want to say. No, I don't remember. It was uh, definitely. I, I hear a little similarity there, but. It, well, there was a, yeah. there was a specific, uh, ZZ Top song that I thought it was. Oh, yeah, that is a ZZ Top song, but, yes. Yeah. Um, but I don't, I don't, I don't think they're that similar. Um, well, I don't remember if that was the song. Uh, oh, okay. Thank sorry. You. I don't remember the, the <laughs> name of the ZZ Top song, but it, it was a ZZ Top song. Um, and then, uh, I know kind of shifted the tone down to like this really chill acoustic vibe, um, with effects. Like the calm before the epic. Yeah. Um, and there's a really great vocal performance from her on that song. Um, and then, yeah, it builds into like a really loud jam. Uh, and then the bittersweet closes the album, uh, with a seven minute song brings back the flautist. Um, and it, it, the title does not lie. It really is a sweet, um, and musically it wasn't really related to anything that had, um, come before it on the album so i kind of saw like uh you know because i looked it up on uh uh wikipedia and all music um and like both of them kind of said like stoner metal <laughs> was Which the genre at all yeah i mean there's lots of different uh i think that's part of why she album. disbanded because she got lumped in with that stuff and it really i mean I could see it working on a bill live, but it really doesn't fit in with that, you know? No, I mean, I mean, there is some stoner metal in there, but there's also, like, all kinds of other shit. Um, yeah. It's mostly just, like, a, I don't know, genre spanning, and a lot of it's trippy, I guess is... Psych pop. Kind of what I would say about it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'd go along with psych pop. Heavy guitar psych pop. Yep. Yep. And... So, yeah, in case it wasn't clear, um, I really liked that album. In fact, uh, I would say that uh, it's either that or uh, what was the first uh, 60s uh, double album that you uh, recommended to me? Oh, The Small Faces? That's yeah, not a double album. Fa it's just kind of like a album in two parts, but it's a single album. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, it's either that or The Small Faces. It is the favorite of albums you've recommended to me so far. Um, and of course I gave you, uh, Art Brute, Art Brute versus Satan, um, versus so Satan. Go ahead and tell us what you thought. Um, I thought it was awesome. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> I really enjoyed it. Sweet. <laughs> I had a smile on my face through all of it. Yep. Um, uh, I mean, it's for me, it's novelty, but I dig novelty. So I got no problem with something appealing to me because of novelty, you know? And it's really um, smart and cool novelty. They yeah, know what yeah. they're doing. I mean, and you know, like the guys, yeah. like uh, half the songs have the same melody, you know, but that uh -huh. doesn't matter. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> but, 
because I love his voice and it's hilarious, you know. And yeah, the replacements was probably the highlight, and yep. definitely, I like that song a billion billion times more than I like anything by the replacements. That's kind of what I figured. Yeah, <laughs> and especially especially the 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 refrain going over the ending was just amazing. Uh, secondhand CDs <laughs> are cheaper. <laughs> are cheaper. Reissued CDs. Reissued CDs. Extra tracks. tracks. <laughs> Extra tracks. <laughs> I was like, damn it, man. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that was my life. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> and, you know, all oh, the yeah. guys I worked with, I think they all did love the replacements. <laughs> yeah, of course. Of course. <laughs> it's a typical record star dude is going to like the replacements. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, there was one uh, particular the song. The Passenger was, was really awesome, too. That was probably the other one that jumps out but i mean i, yeah, I really enjoyed cool. the whole thing uh yeah and there was one in particular that i, I was curious what you thought about it um i want to say demons out is what it's called i'm working from memory demons here. Out. uh it's the oh, one about uh um so we stayed up and we argued all night um if we can't change the world we can at least get the charts right the record buying public we hate them that one <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <coughs> yeah. 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 Uh, I, I just. It was. I mean, it all kind of ran together for me, which is why I didn't recall that at first. But, but, uh, I enjoyed it all, even though it was all, you know, samey. It was good rock and roll and it was funny. And yep. I would listen to it again for sure. Yeah. It's great rock and um, roll. I'll probably and check out more of their stuff as well. Yeah. It's fun and it's funny. Um, yeah, uh, the other one I was debating uh, to recommend was their first album, so I would say check that one out next. Um, especially cool. their their very first song on their very first album is cool. Uh, it's called Formed a Band, and as you can probably <laughs> guess from the lyrical style, that's exactly what the song is about. <laughs> right, right. <yeah. laughs> very literally. <laughs> and in fact, he says, uh, um, and yes, this is my singing voice. No, it's not irony. <laughs> We're just doing it for the kids. <laughs> Occasionally, it would give me uh, flashes of um, uh, Neil from the Young Ones. Yeah, I could see that. <laughs> Neil. <laughs> uh, so, apparently, you have uh, not one, but two albums that uh, I downloaded earlier. Yeah, I got um, I got two. Well, uh, my first thought was, okay, I'm going to present both of these and let you pick one, and that's still pretty much what I'm going to do. But I'm kind of hoping you'll just want to listen to and review both because they're both. Neither of them are super long. One of them is um, thirty minutes, not even thirty minutes. Uh, it has a couple bonus tracks, but I put those in a separate folder, and they're not essential listening. Um, and then the other one's like forty minutes. So you know, together it's like like a long CD, but I will uh, present them both to you here and, you know, go with which one you, you, you're you feeling. All right, go for it. So, okay, we have two albums here, both of them released in 1968. Both of them, upon release, sold, one of them sold less than 500 copies, the other one sold a couple thousand copies, so neither of these albums did anything at the time and were um you know forgotten for a while yeah that is and then both kind of rediscovered of by <laughs> hardcore record collectors that are just like digging for you know super obscure stuff gotcha so uh so one of them which is uh ca quintet a trip through hell this was a um local minneapolis band that were very popular in Minneapolis, but never made it out of Minneapolis. And they recorded the album, you know, super cheap in a local Minneapolis studio, put it out themselves, pressed like 500 copies and didn't sell all of them. So total DIY in 1968, which is almost unheard of. You know? Yeah, indeed. <clears throat> the other album is... Um, begin by the millennium, and this album 
was on CBS Records, and at the time it was released, it was the most expensive album ever made. Really? So, yeah, they spent like a hundred grand on it in 1968 money. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> That's like probably a million bucks. God damn. So it was a, it was a huge commercial flop because yeah, they clearly. put a ton of money into it and it didn't do anything. So the CA Quintet, the, the low budget one, it's, it's more of a wild acid freak out album. And the Millennium is more of a, nice pop come down album probably very and both of them produced. are both of them are amazing and both of them are uh, among my favorite discoveries over the past 10 years so i'm guessing that the uh the most expensive uh one ever made at the time that probably has a really rich production i'm guessing yeah yeah, yeah. definitely you know full full on as good as production got in 1968. It was actually the second album ever recorded on a 16-track uh, okay. recorder. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> wow. Yeah. Uh, so you've got kind of a raw, do-it-yourself 1968 album that's it's pretty pretty interesting. And um, One of the and biggest flops got, of all time. The most expensive nineteen album as of nineteen sixty eight, you know, second album recorded on a sixteen track, immaculate songwriting, immaculate vocal harmonies. You know, it's on par with the best of the Beatles and Beach Boys type stuff. So. All right, um, yeah, I'll probably check both of them out then. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I think you, I think you will definitely find both interesting. I'm not sure which one you like better. That's why I'm kind of hoping you will listen to both, and I'm kind of curious to get your thoughts on both and which one you, appeals more to you. Well, if I like both, then I'll review both. Um, oh, sure, so, sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I guess I'll do both if it's only like uh, about one album, seventy like, minutes. Yeah, yeah, no problem. Um, nice. So. This... Now, one of the bonus tracks, and they're in the okay. separate folder on the CA Quintet, is a nice little acoustic number called Bury Me in a Marijuana Field. So I, th I you probably <laughs> enjoy that one. <laughs> but that's a bonus, bonus right. track. It's not All part right. of the album. I'll probably check that out, too. Uh, <laughs> so this week, I decided to uh, zag a little bit and uh, recommend something, I think, very different than anything that I've recommended so far. Um, also, uh, kind of, uh, indie rock, uh, well, it's not really rock, uh, indie music, I guess, of the last 15 years okay. or so, um, which is, uh, Animal Collective and what I think oh, yeah, is okay. their best, uh, album, Meriwether Post Pavilion. And, um, so the reason that I'm recommending this one is like, uh, on recent episodes, we've been talking about, like, kind of what our uh, particular definitions of psychedelic music are. Um, yeah. And I would say this is most definitely really good psychedelic music to me. Um, it's almost exclusively electronic on this album, um, where some of their early albums were more of a mix. But in any case, like, they sound... Um, a lot more like, uh, or have more in common with like, um, Pink Floyd or the orb than like techno or EDM or whatever, you know, um, right, right. they're still making like songs. Um, it's just, just using electronic instruments. Um, yeah. And like, I don't know. I did have, uh, a lot of the time when I actually took acid, um, or mushrooms a lot, I was listening to stuff like skinny puppy. Or, uh, like I said, the orb. Uh, so I am a little biased. Orb I can handle. Skinny, skinny puppy out of me. Like, dude. So we got to do something. It's pretty intense, man. Uh, especially yeah, on headphones. It's too intense for me. Um, yeah, it's too yeah. much for me. So uh, I'm kind of biased towards I need to take uh, it easy, man. Psychedelic, <laughs> electronic music. Um, and in any case, I'll uh, just be curious what you think about it. I'm not... I'm not... Uh, like expecting that you're going to love it or anything, but I think you'll well, I know, uh, find it interesting. My impression of Animal Collective was I remember reading about them. It sounded interesting. I checked it out 
for a minute, and I was just like, man, this, this is not really for me. I, cause it's cool, but it's not my thing. And then I think I watched a a TV performance or like a YouTube performance or something that I was like, yeah, that's pretty cool. You know, I can see why people like really get into this. So, you know, I'm I'm interested to check it out and kind of, you know, give a full album a go through and and uh, see how it sits with me. Right on. Um, and this one more so than uh, the rest of their records is uh, very like sonically lush, I guess I would say, or full. Um, cool. Yeah. There's a whole lot going on. Um, so. I mean, I like Spongle, you know, so I can get into some super electronic trippy stuff, you know? Yeah. Right on. Um, Spongle. So I guess, uh, suppose we'll get to, uh, wow, damn. I didn't even say at the beginning who we're doing this week. Oh yeah. Well, I think we've stretched out the intro long enough that we'll, yeah, we we're definitely not under too have, much pressure so. to ramble on too much about our matchup. No. And, uh, this week, it's a biggie, a real biggie. Uh, it is Prince versus Michael Jackson. And, of course, we'll uh, play into it with a clip. Play the clip. While I'm playing the clip, I'm going to go step outside. So if I'm quiet for a minute after it plays, that's why. I'll wait for you. Well, for starters, you have to purify yourself in the waters of Lake Minnetonka. What? You have to purify yourself in Lake Minnetonka. course that uh loud gasping noise there at the end was the sound of the entire world losing their collective shit when uh michael jackson debuted the moonwalk live on uh moonwalk motown's 25th anniversary um 
So at the outset, uh, I'll say uh, I love both of these artists um, to varying degrees. Um, both of them had a big impact on little Andy. Um, and I'm going to go with Prince uh, because I think Michael Jackson had the advantage of great dance moves, um, kind of some mind-melding, uh, melting uh, pop songs. Um, Prince was a great guitar player, and Michael Jackson didn't play an instrument. And I'd also argue that uh, Prince was ultimately the better songwriter um, when it comes to the test of time. Um, who are you going with? Well, <clears throat> I mean, first, to be fair, shouldn't it be Prince versus Quincy Jones? <laughs> <laughs> According to Quincy Jones. Now, yeah. yeah. I mean, really, actually, as I as I started thinking about it, I really don't think it's a fair matchup. Now, at first, at first it seems obvious because probably the two biggest male pop stars of the 80s, Prince and Michael Jackson. Yeah. Maybe, you know, Bruce Springsteen among them, uh, that level, you know? Yeah. But Prince, is, um, does Michael Jackson even play an instrument? No. Or is he just, he's just a singer? Yeah. I mean, and, that's, yeah, that's cool. But Prince does everything. Yeah, yeah. And his and first few albums was like all just Prince doing everything. Yeah. Which yeah. I'm a big fan of anyone that does <laughs> that because that's what I enjoy doing. <laughs> yeah, and he has a, a very full sound, too. Um, and and which is pretty he's much an all his amazing doing. guitarist. He's an amazing keyboardist. He's an amazing bassist. Yeah. He's and he's an amazing songwriter. And Michael Jackson is a good singer and a good dancer and a good entertainer. So it's not even really fair. It's Prince by a mile for me, though. Thriller was important to my youth, but I don't listen to Michael Jackson anymore ever. Yeah. And Prince, Prince, I've only dug Prince more as time has passed. Yeah, for sure. Um, that was definitely... I mean, I totally uh, didn't get into Prince as a kid. I mean, I saw Purple Rain and stuff, but but I wasn't really... Prince wasn't metal, and I was total metal then, so I, you know, it took me a while to appreciate Prince. But now that I do, Prince is fucking amazing. Yeah, as a kid, uh, I loved uh, um, like his hits, you know, Prince's hits. Yeah, um, but it wasn't yeah. until, uh, like, later in life that I actually, like, listened to his albums and stuff. And then, of course, I right. was like, holy shit, this guy was fucking great. Um, <laughs> and, uh, well, to be fair to Michael Jackson, um, he uh, he did kind of have a lot of influence on the production side of things. Um, I know Quincy Jones said he still everything. But even then, still, what's Michael got? Like, but, two good um, albums? Yeah, I mean... I'm, and I'm like trying to be maybe fair. ten albums overall, and Prince has like fifty albums. Yeah, that's for sure, um, <laughs> and definitely more than two of them are good. Yeah, um, let me say a few positive things about Michael Jackson. Though. Um, uh, okay, some of my like <laughs> very first memories, um, like all the way back as long as I can remember, like some of my very first memories were uh, seeing Michael Jackson in that Motown anniversary special. Um, and then the first time that I saw Billie Jean, uh, first time I saw Thriller. Um, and I, I did get into all that stuff yeah. as a kid for sure. Yeah, for I was sure. heavy into it. Yeah. Like, uh, to say that, to say that he was like larger than life to me as a kid, I think wouldn't even be doing it justice. Uh, I think right. for me at, at like six or whatever, it was kind of like the Beatles crossed with Michael Jordan. Um, yeah, so you know, I mean, I gotta give him props for that. And the the thriller video made gave my sister nightmares. And you know, as an eight year old, I thought that was awesome. So yeah, I thought that was fucking cool as hell. Um, <laughs> I remember watching the debut, the MTV World premiere of Thriller. Yeah, me too. The full fifteen minute version. Yeah, me too. Yep. Um, and Billy Jean was great too, um, for a different yeah. reason. Um, beat it video was actually pretty cool as well um plus plus i mean we can pretty much thank michael jackson for weird al yankovic's popularity and true. ability to sustain a career and i'm a huge weird al fan so i, I you yeah. know michael gets big big props for that for sure yeah 
Your butt is wide. Well, mine is too. Just watch on I mean, eat it was more amazing than beat it. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Uh, but Get yourself an egg and beat it. And obviously, because I did go back and listen to a few Michael Jackson albums uh, this week. And a few? Yeah, just a few. Um, I mean, is there more than three to even really listen to? That's three is a few. And that's what okay, I Okay, okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, like, not all of it uh, holds up to say the least. Um, but a lot of it really does. Um, I mean, you can't pay me to listen to Dangerous. I'm sorry. No, I wouldn't listen to that. Uh, or but history. I mean, but besides the ones that we've already talked about, I mean, like Rock With You, um, Bad, Don't Stop Till You Get Enough, Want to Be Stuck. Yeah, Off the Wall's a good album. Like, yeah, he's got, like, he had That's pretty some funky. really, really good uh, pop songs. Um, although... I'm, I am going to say that... Uh, a lot of disco on that off the wall, though. Yeah, definitely. And I also want to say that uh, Say, Say, Say uh, and That Girl Is Mine are both fucking awful. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's a terrible song. <laughs> and, yeah, and then, of course, like... Uh, well, you know, Michael probably didn't allow Paul to smoke weed around him. So probably not. Probably not. Paul was not able to like <laughs> totally get into his groove. You want me to write a song sober, oh, mate? I'm sorry, Paul. <laughs> I just can't handle that marijuana smoke. <laughs> I don't do any drugs. Um, and then, like, yeah, uh, even just after Thriller, like, obviously, like, the fame or, like, his dad being uh, abusive like psychopath or like whatever like really affected him because uh, then he just got progressively more weird like even on like bad which i thought bad was a like really good album um he his skin was lighter he had the like weird like wrist Can guard and that's when like the crotch grabbing started like all that kind of stuff. Ow. Yeah, and then he just got stranger and stranger and stranger. Um, and probably uh, probably molested children, we should also say. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, uh, it's not pleasant to get into, but I, I'm not sure what was going on. But, you know, we, we know that he did not go through a really uh, super happy, fun childhood. No, not and at all. we also know that, you know, usually when shit happens to you, yeah. you have a tendency to repeat that, you know? And uh, so, you know. <laughs> yeah, he was obviously a, a deeply unhappy person. That's for sure. I, you know, maybe he just liked to cuddle with those kids, you know, and uh, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> On the other hand, um, so like I said, I, uh, I did listen to some Michael Jackson. Uh, I also listened to quite a bit of Prince, and that's a much easier thing to do. Yes, hands down, easily, uh, his stuff holds up way more. Uh, like, yeah, I mean, 1999, Purple Rain. Uh, oh yeah, that's sign the sign of the times. Like, but all the early stuff, that early yeah, stuff, yeah, that early cool stuff's too. great too. Yeah, yeah, and all those records hold up too. Um, I mean, yeah. there's like some synths and stuff, you know. Um, there's some kind of like '80s stuff you can hear in there for sure. Um, but but he did that. He did that best, you know. It yeah, was part of his sound. Yeah, yeah and it doesn't he sound was cheesy. The best at using that sound. Yeah, and it's it's still great music. Like great music, um, so the uh, the like eighty stuff doesn't detract from it in the slightest. Yeah. Um, and I mean, like, so he had so many great songs, so <laughs> many great songs. I mean, like, just with the hits, like, there's Little Red Corvette, um, nineteen ninety nine, When Doves Cry. I mean, I don't think it's there's crazy. Uh, <laughs> I don't think there's a bad song. Until Sign of the Times. <laughs> yeah, Sign of the Times has some really from, great from the songs, get, too. Well, yeah, but I'm just saying that's where there's yeah. finally maybe some songs where I'm like, okay, 
I, I can skip past this. But like through through Purple Rain, everything through Purple Rain is fucking, you know. I mean, there's not a bad song on any of those albums. Nope, nope. Um, I'll even forgive him for uh, Bad Dance. <laughs> That's later. <laughs> yeah, that is later. Uh, yeah, you know, and, uh, it, I'll it, cop to steps uh, along the way yeah. later on. Yeah, and I haven't listened. I'm not sure to, about. I haven't uh, listened to most of his uh, cream. You know, later no, output. No, no, no. <laughs> uh, I think the last. There's some. No, I I did listen to some stuff here and there, like that he released over the past decade, and like thirty one twenty one had some really cool stuff on it. And that third eye band stuff he was doing with those those girls was really cool. That last uh, I think it was Saturday Night Live thing he did with them was really uh, was was some good stuff. Well, I was just gonna say that uh, I did listen to uh, um, Hit and Run Phase One and yeah, Phase Two yeah. when it came out, and I didn't give it a like shitload of spins, but I really liked it, you know. It was good, yeah. yeah. I didn't listen to it a bunch, but it was it was, yeah, it was, it was cool. really I was like, damn, all right, good, cool. Yeah. Prince is doing good shit. That's good. Yep. And we should also give him uh huge credit for uh doing a Super Bowl halftime show and fucking knocking One it of out the of the park. One of the actual good ones. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like yeah. nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> One of the few. Yep. Yeah, it was great. Great. Um and uh I also want to give him credit uh, for something. Uh, the video for Kiss, with, because uh, that was one of my earliest uh, times that I can remember where I know for sure I was having distinct sexual thoughts. Uh, <laughs> so. Just need your body, baby. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that video was all about sex. <laughs> and of course he had a <laughs> you ever heard ween do that song they do a great version. no i haven't heard him do that i would love to hear that yeah uh and then he'll break into it in the middle of um, voodoo lady sometimes oh nice <laughs> that's, yeah <laughs> that's one of my very favorite ween songs uh, yeah 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 um, and there's they they if you ask them the half the time they're like oh yeah we're just ripping off prince here <laughs> <laughs> um I also want to give uh, Prince props for uh, the MTV uh, Music Video Awards, uh, where he debuted the assless jumpsuit. Yeah, that was classic. <laughs> yeah, that was iconic. Uh, Paved and... the way for Howard Stern and yeah, yeah, Fartman and uh, yeah. who else bared their ass on the Video Music Awards stage? <laughs> I don't know. I'm sure somebody has. <laughs> Probably uh, David Lee Roth at some point. <laughs> I know Madonna did, but that was more like the just the uh, assless underneath the dress more than the assless pants. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, uh, we would be remiss if we not, did not discuss that Prince was a very famous uh, weirdo. Uh, yeah, he definitely was. <laughs> You've heard the Kevin Smith story, right? Yes, of course. Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, that's yeah. amazing stuff. Uh, in fact, one of the things... As he should be, you know? Yeah. One of the anecdotes I had written down was uh, Kevin Smith uh, from that story. Uh, that was from one of the college tours, right? When he told his Prince story. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Yeah. One and, of the uh, evening with things. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, like, Prince was talking to him about something, and he says... Uh, if a big snake gives birth to a little snake, what is that little <laughs> snake going to grow up to be? A big snake? <laughs> and then Prince says, you got to know who your father is. <laughs> <laughs> I like the stories that Prince actually went door to door. Yeah. Trying yeah, to recruit yeah, that was also the, on the uh, list. Mormons. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he was Jehovah's a Jehovah's Witnesses, whatever it was. Yeah, he is a Jehovah's Witness who would actually right. literally yeah. go door to door for him. And you know, Prince shows up at my door. I'll yeah, all right. I'll I'll listen to what you got to say, Prince. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I would. I would just because it's you, Prince, into my own. You sure we can't talk about funk bands? Yeah, and what's funny about that? <laughs> him being a Jehovah's Witness is uh, like, and 
like because of that, it, it's also uh, a notorious thing about Prince that he could not abide people swearing around him. So he right, took right. it. He took it that <laughs> seriously, right? However, yeah. he was also like a notorious like a uh, fucking lady hound. Um, like he would sleep with like oh, yeah. anybody. Um, uh-huh. and he also did drugs. So, like, <laughs> yes, he did. <laughs> Prince is a study in uh, contradictions. He's, he, yeah, he's a uh, riddle wrapped <laughs> up in an enigma. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he did uh, change his name to a sign <laughs> at one point. So. A symbol, which I heard the pronunciation yeah, was that was was Victor. Victor. All right. <laughs> that's how you pronounce cool. that symbol. That's what that's what I read. I don't know. Uh, and uh, I learned this week that. Uh, he delayed the release of the Black Album, which came out in 1994, because he... Uh, it was supposed to come out in the 80s. Uh, at the last minute. Initially. Yeah, and he had a bad experience on ecstasy. <laughs> and decided that the album was too dark, and that if he let it yeah. out in the world, that uh, like destruction might befall us. Bootlegs got out, though. And the world seemed to survive. So yeah, and uh, Prince gave. Uh, By the no time fucks they actually put that out, it, down, had, uh, it had been out there for a while. Uh, and I was going to say, Prince gave no fucks about shutting down bootleggers either. Prince did not like bootleggers. Um, <laughs> he would even like go into they, record stores. They and, still like, succeeded in bootlegging him. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I mean, how are you going to stop that? Um, I, I wrote a couple of others down here. Uh, so in Questlove's book, uh, Mo Meta Blues, uh, he was asked to go after hours roller squit skating, um, with Prince. And, uh, he says, uh, Prince had the briefcase out on the floor. He clicked the lock and opened it and took out the strangest, most singular pair of roller skates I had ever seen. They were clear skates that lit up and the wheels sent a multicolored spark trail in your path. He took them out and did a big lap around the ring. Man, he could skate like he could sing. <laughs> and we can't we can't forget about his basketball skills. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, of course, the uh, uh, very, Charlie Murphy's True Hollywood Stories. Yeah, the iconic uh, <laughs> Chappelle's <laughs> yeah. The pancakes. Good for pancakes. <laughs> Game blouses. In uh, another, so, interview, yeah, I mean, this is there's so many reasons why Prince is so much more awesome than Michael Jackson. Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> uh, he was asked in an interview uh, about his uh, youthful appearance, and he said, "Your magazine probably won't print this, but I don't believe in time. <laughs> I don't count. When you count, it ages you." <laughs> Prince is great. Uh, all right, I, I got a couple others. Uh, so, an anonymous Prince employee said in an interview, uh, "No crew members were allowed to look at him or talk to him. I literally saw him fire a guy for look at him. <laughs> looking at him. He just says, "Why is that guy looking at me? Tell him to leave." <laughs> He's dismissed. In December 1993, ads in several national magazines showed an obscured photo of Prince accompanied by the text, Eligible Bachelor seeks the most beautiful girl in the world to spend holidays with. And the last one uh, is from his wife. Uh, Even when we were married, uh, Garcia said, I had to wait for him to call me. I have no idea why he never actually said. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Prince is great. I love Prince. Everything about Prince is great. You have any uh, last thoughts on Prince or Michael Jackson? I just, you know, if if you asked me when I was seven, I probably would pick Michael Jackson. For sure. I, you know, once I once I got prince you know i uh understand the 
greatness of Prince. Yeah. And I think we've we've demonstrated that. We have. And um, nothing we've said has given me any uh, boost for Michael Jackson, so yeah. Prince for me, it remains. Yeah, me as well. Uh, so we're unanimous on this one. All right. Um, I was thinking, uh, inspired by that track you sent me this week, uh, this was really cool. Um, I was thinking next week, what do you think about uh, Robert Zimmerman and uh, David Robert Jones? Bowie vs. Dylan. Yeah. Yeah, we can do that. Yeah. That sounds good to me. Um, love both of them. And, of course, Dylan is my favorite of all time. So. Uh, well, just give it away already, then. Why don't you? <laughs> I don't think that's any secret to anybody who knows me, who are basically yeah. who's listening to this podcast. So. Um, Bob. Hey, have you heard the, uh, the Weird Al Yankovic Bob Dylan pastiche? I have not. It's the song is called Bob, and every line in the song is um, a uh, what do you call it when the it's the same backwards as it is forwards? Oh, uh, palindrome. Yeah, the whole every line in the song is a palindrome. Palindrome. All right. Yeah, and it's done total Dylan style. It's amazing. I'll check that out. Gotta hear it. Um, and if you haven't seen uh, you probably have, but if you haven't seen uh, Jimmy Fallon doing. The Charles in Charge theme as Bob Dylan. <laughs> you should check that out. Uh, I'm sure that's amazing. Yeah, it's great. Uh, <laughs> so until next week, have a good one, everyone. Till then. To truthful vengeance that could fill us to the floor. Brought a few more people on, put the fear in a whole lot more. Ah, here she comes, here she comes, here she comes again. Tell him we lost his poems, so I 